Father and Lord Jesus, I, I don't know that there's a prayer that, that I would pray before, a prayer that says that if I could find my way to your feet, Lord, to put my, my head against your chest and heal, feel your heart beat, Lord. I pray for all of us in church on the street to experience your presence, Lord, to experience your presence by faith and to just know that you'd never leave us and forsake us, Lord, but to draw us near to you, that place where a little baby might have some sense that its mother or its dad's in the next room. But when the mom or the dad puts the little baby in their arms, the baby stops crying for sure because there's no safer place, Lord. And I just pray that through thankful hearts and praise that you'd let us come into your presence in such a way that we could feel your arms around us and we could hear your heart beat. And, and Lord, I pray that in that process that our heart would just come into tune with your heart, Lord, and that we would beat just like you beat, every beat, just like Jesus. We do what we see you doing. We say what we hear you saying. And we're just in perfect lockstep in your spirit. So, Lord, we pray that you continue to anoint this time, that you would uh, anoint the ears to hear and the lips to speak, and that, that the words would be your words, that we'd be changed, Lord, that we continue to become more and more like Jesus. We pray this to you and to you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. I have a sense for a really good day today. Anybody else okay to have a really good day today? Amen. Can we have more lights, Caitlin? You're probably doing that already, aren't you? So a quick update. We prayed a bunch last week. Um, Dave and Brittany had their baby. Justice Caden Levins. Um... 7 pounds, 11 ounces, 21 inches, just as stinking cute as you could imagine. Um, Brittany was in labor, hard, hard labor. And I don't know for how many hours, but for a long time, I got a text message before 6 in the morning, and they were already at the hospital. And I think the baby was born about 5.30 or 6 in the evening. So, And she was done. They were getting ready to do a cesarean. I got a, a message from um, Dave's mom, and she said, pray, they're prepping her for a cesarean. And Joe and I were in the garage trying to get the garage cleaned up, and so we stopped, and we started praying and praying, and just a couple minutes later, we get another text message. He popped out! So <laughs> she was literally being prepped for the cesarean, and um, everything that wasn't how it was supposed to be got how it was supposed to be, and little baby justice came out. So I think everybody's doing great. Last I heard, I think uh, he had some uh, bilirubin issues, which is liver, I think. So, um, you know, we should continue to pray for them. But I think generally everything is great. So we have another addition to the nursery here pretty soon. And that's cool. Next thing. Hey, before I go any further, I didn't know how long Pastor Ben was going to take. And, and we told him to take all the time he wanted. So I wasn't exactly sure how much time I would have. I actually have more than I thought. Um, but there's one thought that was on my mind that I wanted to uh, share with you guys from a message a few weeks ago. I just felt like I left that thing incomplete, and then there was a conversation that we had at worship practice the other night that um, 
made me think of something else I, I felt like you guys ought to hear. So it might fe- feel a little bit um, random today. It's not my ADD kicking up. It was actually on purpose. So that being said, I got permission from Ryan to tell you this, but not from Teresa. But Ryan trumped Teresa in this case. Do you, do you believe the Lord has a sense of humor? Right? I should give you an update. I, I went to the doctor. You all prayed for me. Thank you so much. I was so, so darn blessed when you guys were praying for me. Um, I went to the doctor, got the full-on, you know, hour-and-a-half physical, and um, we still don't know exactly what's going on with my heart. Uh, the doctor can hear it through his uh, stethoscope just as clear as day. Um, Teresa, she puts her head to my chest. She can hear it beating funny. It, it literally misses beats. And uh, the nurse could feel it on my pulse. So they decided they... They heard it. It was so apparent that they would give me an EKG. We're just we're going to hook you up to the thing. They did the EKG and it read perfect. <laughs> so I don't know exactly what's going on with the heart. Everything else looks pretty good. Um, I'm going to wear a monitor next week for two days. So I'll be wired to this thing for for two days, and it's going to pick up every heartbeat that I have. And um, they said it could just be a benign condition. So keep praying, but. Uh, the story where God has a sense of humor happened. Um, Teresa was battling thoughts when she's in the waiting room. You know, I was in there a really long time, and you know, the devil's trying to plan in her mind all these things that could be wrong. And you know, my dad died of a heart attack at 53. He had his first heart attack in his early 40s. My older half brother had his first heart attack in his early 40s. Um, my younger brother and I have never exhibited any heart situation at all. So. Who knows? But, you know, all that stuff, the devil's trying to work in Teresa's head. So she's getting some text messages, and she gets one from Ryan. And it says, you know, Mom, I've been praying for you guys all day or all morning, and I've got a really good peace. And the Lord gave him a scripture. It was uh, Psalm 40 and verse 11. And that reads, You, O Lord, will not withhold your compassion from me. Your loving kindness and your truth will continually preserve me. And when I came out of the, the thing, you know, and was all done, Teresa said, how she got such great peace from that scripture that Ryan had sent her, and it really helped her in this battle that was going on inside her mind. So fast forward to the next morning. I'm in my prayer time with the Lord, and I remember you know, that Ryan blessed Teresa with the scripture, and I'm not someone who spends a tremendous amount of time in the Psalms, so I thought, I'm going to go look that scripture up. And I'm reading it, you know, verse 11. It's really sweet. I continue to read, and I get to the last line of verse 12, and it says, And my heart has failed me. Ryan said that he saw that, but he consciously did not lead mom into verse 12. <laughs> so God definitely has a sense of humor. <laughs> okay, now, on with our business. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about Christian witness and how the Lord had just really lit me up in First Peter about all these different scriptures that really speak to our lives as Christian. That's our witness, is our lives, right? And even um, how he showed that out of all of that, uh, there's only one place where he ever asked us to use our mouth in our witness, and that was only in response to a question. So when people see all these behaviors that he is exhorting the church to exhibit, um, and someone says, wow, you're different, that's when you use your mouth in your witness, at least, you know, from the teaching that you can get from First Peter. In my... Uh, Notes for the message, I wanted to talk about what I think is the, the biggest problem that we have in the church today relative to witness, and it's hypocrisy. 
hypocrisy is such a problem uh, if you know somebody and they say one, uh, that's not a good example, they say something with their mouth, but it isn't reflected in their life, which one carries the weight? It's the actions, not the words, right? Um, Politicians, the greatest, most uh, high character, integrity, you know, full-on good person could go into politics and immediately you would question their motives. Why is that? It's hypocrisy. They, they will tell you whatever you want to hear to get in the chair. And, and I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush. I'm sure that there's at least one that's okay. But at least one, right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I haven't met him yet. But, <laughs> but there are. I mean, there are well-intentioned people in politics. But there's a bunch that will tell you what you want to hear get your vote, and then serve themselves in the process of once you've put them in that office. It's hypocrisy that causes us not to trust politicians. Um, I was listening to the radio that week, whenever I preached that message a few weeks ago. I'm listening to the Christian radio station. You know, I, I put the trailer back in the trailer parking spot, and I'm driving back to meet Teresa for lunch or go home, whatever. I got the Christian radio station on, and it's a call-in show uh, for a, a lawyer right? And a lady calls into the lawyer and her question is, can I get sued if I break my land contract? And the lawyer on the Christian radio station says, well, why would you want to break your land contract? And she says, it's too expensive. And the lawyer says, well, you should come into our office and bring your land contract and we'll figure out how you can get out of it. And I thought to myself, no, I'm assuming the lady is a Christian, right? I mean, I don't think people that aren't Christian listen to Christian radio stations. I never would before I was a Christian. It always convicted me. That one I probably would have felt good about because it would have enabled me to think a way I wanted to think. But I'm assuming the lady's a Christian, and I'm assuming the lawyer is a Christian, but I question whether he's spending time in the Word because Scripture says in, uh, in Luke, I don't know, someplace in Luke, it talks about, and, it, and the context is, about you know when you would uh, confess Christ as Lord. That's really kind of the message that, that Jesus is trying to convey about in this verse of Scripture. But the principle is the same. You can apply it to a number of different places. And basically, the Scripture says that which one of you would build a tower without first counting the cost? Because you could end up not knowing how much it costs, build a half a tower, and then when every person that walks by your tower looks at your tower... They think of you as a fool because you started building something that you couldn't finish. I think probably what happened to that lady is she got all enamored and wanted this house. You know, it was shiny and it was nice and it was big and beautiful, but it was probably more than she could afford. But she was enamored with the having. She didn't count the cost. Banks will loan you money. We, you know, we know the problem that that creates when they loan you money that you can't actually pay back, and it, it creates this whole economic mess that we're in right now. But then she gets in the house, and now she can't maybe go out to dinner. She can't drive the car she wants to drive. She was hoping to go on vacation, but she can't because this darn house that looked so good before she got in it is sucking up all her financial resources. So she calls the lawyer on the Christian radio station and says, how do I get out of this thing? And he says, well... Basically, what he said to her was, yeah, you'll never be able to break your contract because it's too expensive, but we'll figure out a way for you to break your contract. So the first thing is she should have considered the cost 
really considered the cost before she bought the house. And then the second one, and to me, this is the scripture that is the bottom line to character and um, ultimately maybe even to witness. And it's in James chapter 5 and verse 12, and it reads, But above all, my brethren, brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but your yes is to be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. There's a lot in that scripture. That's James uh, speaking it. It's also in the Gospels. But basically, as Christians, when we make a commitment, we need to make a commitment. When we say yes, it needs to mean yes. And if we say no, it needs to be no. It shouldn't be yes as long as it's good for me, but as soon as I'm not comfortable with it anymore and it costs me more than I want it to cost me, then it, now it's no, because we blow our witness. So I'm not trying to um, condemn the radio lawyer or the lady, but there's a lady now that has um, a poor perception of that situation. If the lawyer had been in the word, he would have told her, hey, you made a commitment to these people. You know, Did they not deliver the house? Was there something different than the house you thought you were buying? Maybe that's a reason that you might want to break it. But the fact that you didn't count the cost, you bought it, you made a deal, your yes needs to be yes. This, I, I don't even know if you'll appreciate this. Uh, one of the pastors out at Bethel Church in California spoke a message, and he made this comment. If you wouldn't lie for $1,000, and you wouldn't lie for $10,000, but you would for a million dollars, you're nothing but an expensive prostitute. And that's the way the world will see us if that's the way we act. So I just, I just wanted to impress upon you, exhort you to the place of um, character is everything that we have as Christians. It's, it's, it's who you are. Because anything else is your mouth without your actions. And when your actions disconnect from your mouth, it's your actions that people believe, not your mouth. So, okay, done with that one. Second thing that I wanted to talk to you about today, um, at band practice, we're uh, getting together, you know, the band is preparing so that they can do a great job up here on Sunday mornings and they can grow and worship. And honestly, since they taught us that two Sundays ago, something's different in here. Um, I really believe that their, their hearts and their efforts and their pressing in has shifted something spiritually in this room and that the worship is different. I hope you notice that as well. Um, but that's not the story. So we're sitting there and we're talking, and somebody was being concerned about, um, you know, their ability to produce, you know, outstanding, perfect, whatever their part was, you know, instrument in the worship thing. And as a result of that, they were drawn back. So we stopped and we started to explain to them some of the foundational things about church on the street and why we really do want to put put together quality. Everything we do, we should do as unto the Lord. But if our ability isn't perfect for whatever reason, it's our heart that matters the most. And as we had this conversation, two or three of them said, you know, you should share this with the church because I'm not sure people really understand that, which got me to thinking that we just passed our one-year anniversary. We've been at church now for just a little bit over a year, and we haven't really sat down and said, this is church on the street um, this is the vision for the church and connected it now. Now we can actually do it and connect it with a year's worth of experience and it's pretty cool when you do that. So um, if you'll indulge me, let me just share with you I, I, uh, what the vision statement that we wrote for Church on the Street is. And, and I'll read it in parts because I want to elaborate on each part. Um, the first, it begins, the vision for Church on the Street is based in the belief that as the church, 
both individually and collectively, we are to be the incarnate love of Jesus everywhere we are. Christianity, or church, was never to be a Sunday event, but an always lifestyle. And I honestly have to say that I haven't spent a lot of time looking back at these things. For a year, Teresa and I um, have it's felt like we've been drinking out of a fire hose. It's, I, I see Ben and Rachel up here, and Ben's dad was a pastor, and you know he's been plugged into a church his whole life. And I promise you, he does not know what he's walking into. You just can't. I see you shaking your head. Your dad's a pastor, right? Yeah. Um, you just can't. But I haven't looked back at these things, but it, it encourages me hugely to know that this is the way we're kind of doing church, that, that the whole, we went to a, <laughs> Dory's getting on me again. Teresa calls me Dory, if you've ever seen um, Finding Nemo, the blue fish, you know? <laughs> so I'm having just a Dory moment. We went last night to an a old-fashioned revival meeting, drove two hours down to cold water, and um, we went there for a purpose, not just because it was a, a revival meeting, but it was different. I mean, I never experienced anything like this before. It was a couple from Kentucky and strumming a guitar, and it was it was cool, but it was very different than anything I'd ever experienced in church before. And after it was done, uh, the lady was the the wife was kind of the preacher, and the husband was the worship leader and the amen guy. And uh, she asked us about ourselves, and we gave her a church on the street card, and she looked at church on the street, and it was like she couldn't figure out what are you guys, and I don't really, and, and so we just told her what Church on the Street, its name is, is to convey a message that church isn't Sunday. You know, you're not the church from, you know, 1030 till noon on Sundays. You're the church 24-7 all the time. That's what you're called to do. We're a body, you know, and as soon as she started to get that, her whole face lit up. Matter of fact, she said she was going to call some guy, and I was going to get on some Christian TV show, because he'd want to interview me, but when she caught the vision of church on the street, not just the words, um, it just lit her right up. And she's like, wow, that is so awesome. That is exactly what the church is supposed to be. So let me continue. As the church, we are to demonstrate and advance the kingdom of heaven on earth. Our demonstration will not be merely words, but of power, service, and love. We'll answer the call to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that Jesus commanded. So, you'll hear more, a bunch more about this in the coming weeks, but, but the kingdom is not in words. It's just like that witness, that character thing we talked about. The kingdom is to be confirmed with power and signs, and that we're going to continue to press into the Lord until our witness is not just words, but words and power, the way it should be, through the empowering of the Holy Spirit. The Great Commission calls us to make disciples, not converts. We'll make disciples in the process. I'm sure people will be converted. Um, and we'll teach from the Bible what Jesus commanded, just like he asked us to do. The next part says, through the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the love and encouragement of one another, and sound biblical discipleship, we will see lives changed, ever-increasing spiritual fruit, and people being transformed into the likeness of Christ. Ultimately, the power of the Holy Spirit manifest in the church should look like a difference. We shouldn't look like the world. We should be different than the world. It should be obvious that we're Christians. And then the very last part says, they will know we are his disciples by our, by our love one for another. So if, if, you, if you're familiar with New Testament scripture, it's all through this thing. But that will be the thing that people will see how we love each other, how we take care of one another, how... Uh, we carry each other's burdens. 
that demonstration of love one for another will be the confirming thing that we are truly disciples of Christ. And, and the power of the Holy Spirit, not limited to the change of lives, but that's the way that you really can tell if a ministry is thriving. If there's no growth in spiritual fruit, if there's no more love in your life than there was a year ago, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those fruits of the Spirit, then we got to get together like we're going to do on Thursday and we got to pray because those things should be manifest greater and greater and greater in our lives, even through trials and and tribulations and things that God will use to test us and to perfect us and to mold us into the likeness of Christ. So that's the vision statement for Church on the Street. There were... um, The the conversation kind of went to money then. And you may not know it. I want to share with you how we spend our money at Church on the Street or how we spend God's money at Church on the Street. We are um, debt-free... Right? We don't owe anybody any money. When we left the Freedom Center, we didn't owe the Freedom Center any money. They fronted us the money to, to buy certain things. We paid it all back. We didn't, we didn't get a grant. We didn't get a gift. Every single thing that we have, we've paid for, and it's all paid for. We have zero debt. Okay, So when we get our money, like you guys put money in the bucket, um, it goes in the bank account, we start writing checks, the first thing we do is we pay our bills because we're responsible, right? We said yes to the high school. They said it costs this much. We pay them what the thing is, and, and, and we, you know, we pay our bills. Everything that we've had to purchase as a result of being a ministry, we pay it for it. So once our bills are paid, then we went to the Bible, and we said, now how would God want us to spend this money? And we take all the rest, and we separate it four ways. Can you, you probably can't see past me. I'm in the way, aren't I? We separate it four ways. Matthew 25, outreach, missions, and benevolence. So if in a month, I don't even know what our bills are, to be honest with you. We're blessed to have Dana. Um, but let's say our bills in a month are $5,000, and we collected $10,000 in the month. We paid our bills with the first 5000 The second 5000 there's a percentage attached to each one of those things. The money goes in there, and it either gets spent or it waits to be spent. So um, Matthew 25 is that scripture I told you we'd talk about a little bit more. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. There's money that's set aside because we're all going to sit before Jesus. As scripture talks about separating the sheep from the goats. Well, from where I'm at, the sheep and the goats. From where you're at, the sheep and the goats, left and right. And we want every single person that would ever throw a penny into the bucket at church on the street, when they stand before the Lord and have to have that conversation, and he says, when I was naked, you fed me, versus the conversation that follows in Scripture, when I, when I was naked, you fed me. <laughs> when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. And some people didn't ever do it. And some people did. And the ones that did got to be a sheep and got to come into the kingdom forever. And the ones that didn't, didn't. So that if you put a buck in the bucket one time, you know at least one time that you did that because that's what we do. The second thing is outreach, that um, we are to evangelize, to make disciples of all nations. So locally here in Linden, Michigan and Fenton and you know this surrounding area that we would call kind of our mission field, we allocate money to spend out to bring people into God's kingdom. We spend money on missions, and we spend money on benevolence. That's it. Four things. Those four are the ones. Every dollar goes that way. So um, I think there can be good pride. Uh, this is, If there is, this would be good pride. In our very first year as a church, right, uh, all of our startup expenses are in our first year as a church. That We had to buy the trailer. We had to buy the 
uh, all the things that are in the children's church, chairs and tables, and we bought musical instruments, and we've had to buy a bunch of stuff to be a church, right? Including all that money we had to spend as a startup, that really, we, it should be better next year than this year because we already bought it. 47% of all the money that's been given a church on the street has gone out. Come on. To, to give you some perspective on that, the average church is around 3%. A church that's doing well is around 4%. So as a startup church, first time ever, 12 times, is that right? You know, roughly 12 times the average as a percentage is going out. That's the heart of church on the street. That's what we think Jesus wants from us as a body is to be a blessing. Um, but that doesn't come without uh, sacrifice as well. And this is where we got into the conversation with the worship team is uh, there are people that will come here and they'll say, uh, I'm not going to church in a high school. doesn't get it for me. You know, the floor is slanty. I don't know, I'm really good at snow plowing. Um, I'm used to having a church building. And that's a drawback, really it is. I mean, as beautiful a place as this is for us to worship and meet together, we get it for four hours on a Sunday, and that's it. We don't have another place. Um, the worship team practices in Cedric and Pam's basement. You know, we don't have, they can't set them up on the stage. They can't leave their stuff. They got to pick it up and carry it out and bring it in and set it up. Every Sunday we got to set everything up and we have to tear it all down. So there's definitely trade-offs, but when somebody comes and needs something, one of our brothers and sisters needs a financial blessing. When, when God sends Ben and Rachel off to do a work and we can say, you know what? God wants you to just have it all and we, we don't get the lights turned out because of it, that's a big, big deal. It's a big, big deal. So whenever you talk to somebody, they say, well, you know, I went to the Freedom Center, and man, their music was perfect. Well, they got a full-time guy that they pay a, a, a good wage, and they made a conscious decision. And I'm not saying that that's bad. God, just like we have different parts of our body, like we have different callings and anointings, God has churches that are different because some people won't come to a high school for church. They need to go to a place like that. Some people... Um, need, you know, perfection, otherwise they won't go. So, so that's good. But we made a conscious decision that, you know, we're going to have no paid staff. Do you know that literally there is no salaries at Church on the Street? This is a 100% volunteer church. There's nobody that draws a salary as a, as a function of not the worship leader, not the pastor, not... I remember when Teresa said she had a job that doesn't pay very good? Well, it pays great, just not with greenbacks, you know? It's, it's awesome pay. That's a conscious decision that we make. You know, if, if we drew a salary, we would probably suck up all the money that we have. God's blessed us so we don't have to. You know what I mean? So you guys should just know that that's the church that you go to. That's the heart of church on the street. And we really believe that God's going to bless it. Um, there's a guy, Francis Chan. You might have heard of him. He's a, a pastor in California, giant church, and... Um, he was this uh, mega church pastor that, that had this awesome church and thousands of people would come to it. And God kind of showed him his heart. And he made this statement after his change of heart that uh, if Jesus had a church in my town, more people would come to my church than to Jesus' church. Because he had figured out how to get people to come and how to make the people happy. But in Jesus' church, they'd get transformed and they'd get healed and they'd get delivered. But in his church, 
they get a great performance on a Sunday morning from a very anointed speaker, but a whole lot of transformation wasn't going on in that church. He was going to leave the ministry because he felt like, you know, he was wrong in his heart, but he just needed to have his heart exposed to him, just like God does for us in the things that we need it. And now he's this on fire, um, passionate guy for the presence of the Holy Spirit to come into his church so that people will be transformed. So we look at stuff like that, and um, like I look out in the, in the seats here, and I, I say, Lord, you know, we're really not growing very much. And then the Lord shows me the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, this is Paul speaking. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes growth. So the, the, the thing I hear from the Lord is that he's watering. Paul, you know, somebody, Pastor Jim, the Lord has planted us here. And remember we talked about pushing against the rock, pushing against the rock. If we'll, be, uh, if we'll persevere and stay strong to the mission and continue to press against the rock, we're going to see the rock move. God's going to empower us, and we'll see the miracles that we're praying for and the, the things that, that we really believe are his heart that haven't happened yet. Well, the same is true. I feel like we're being watered right now, and God's going to grow the church when we're ready for the church. He's working on, if you go backwards and look at all of the messages that he's put on my heart or Chris's heart or Teresa's heart or Kirk's heart, um, they're all foundational things. They're character. They're how do you get saved. They're, they're all these things that are... Um, very, very foundational to being a good witness and being in the place to share properly with the growth whenever he brings it to us. And I think it's his will that we would have a greater impact than just ourselves on this community. And, and whenever he's ready, he'll grow the church. So we need to constantly press in and receive the water so that we might grow. That leads me to the, the last thing that I wanted to talk to you about is where are we headed? We're headed towards redoubling our efforts. And sometimes I get criticized for saying efforts because we're supposed to learn to rest in the Lord. But, but I, I don't know why we're not seeing the manifestations of the Holy Spirit that we've been praying for. I was corrected in that we are seeing a lot of amazing stuff. There are uh, people that are getting blessed. There are hearts that are getting mended. Um, we have seen some healings and things, but I am so hungry for everything that the Holy Spirit has for us, all of his power to be manifested in his body, which is us, that somehow I have to remember to be satisfied with what he is doing and not dissatisfied for what he's not. But however you do it, and honestly, I don't know the answer. I feel like we're a good-hearted church. I feel like uh, you know I'm not aware of any... Um, unrepentant sin that's going on anywhere in the body. But we're going to just continue to press in to see the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit manifested in our fellowship. And there's just a couple of scriptures I want to read to you to that end. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. And Paul, uh, again, is writing this to the Corinthian church because in, in the Corinthians church, they had... It was a very corrupt society before they planted the church there. And that corruption and all that kind of crazy stuff was trying to find its way back into the church. And there's all these people that are you know, causing troubles inside the church. So Paul is writing this letter to the church. And he says, But I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will find out 
Not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. So there's these people that are preaching, you know, some gospel that's not the real gospel, maybe for their own gain and not truly uh, submitted to the Lord. And the way Paul was going to root these guys out is, I don't, I'm not interested in what they have to say. I'm going to go to one of their services and I'm going to measure their power. I'm going to see whether the power of God is present in their meeting. And that's why I'm going to determine whether or not they're arrogant or not arrogant. They're, they're right or they're wrong. I don't think we're wrong. I really don't. But I think if Paul came here today, he might not be sure exactly how to judge this ministry because I'm not sure he'd see the power when he came into here. Power for changed lives, I think we're, we're getting there. But we've had one word in tongues and interpretation. You know, we need, to, we need to grow a prophetic voice or voices in our congregation. You know, all those kinds of things um, the Lord has for us. I'm not sure if we just got to continue to press in, if that's another rock we got to keep pushing on. But that's really important. And then in Mark chapter 16, verses 18, 16 through 18, and then 20, uh, this is Jesus. As, you know, it's like the very end of Mark. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Then in verse 20 he says, or it says, and they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. So in the early church, they were commissioned and sent. And they preached the word and people could know it was the word because the Lord confirmed their words with power. So we've had this first year of being a church and People ask me all the time, you know, how's church going? And I'm like, I'm not exactly sure how to measure it. I mean, it feels good. You know, I, we, God's given us awesome people, and we seem to have a bond of love that's really developed well inside the congregation. And when people come, you know, bless you. People come for the first time, and, and they can sense, you know, God's love in your hearts. Those are great measures, but I don't know if you measure by how many people come, then I don't know if we're doing okay or we're not. Um, I just don't know how to measure. But I do know this, that if we preach the word and God confirms them with signs, then I'll know. Um, one last, Bill Johnson preached a message and he talked about the uh, Israel when they were in the wilderness, right? God pulls them out of uh, Egypt and they wander around in the wilderness for 40 years. They cross the Jordan into the promised land and Israel obeyed God until the last of the elders that were there when they saw God's hand move, the manna and the water from the rock and the parting of the sea and the parting of the Jordan River, all those things. When the last of those elders that were the elders of Joshua, when the last one of them was gone, then Israel started to turn away from God. And his supposition is that it was the power of God manifest to them that caused them to maintain their obedience. But when that powerful move of God, those, those miracle things, those signs and wonders stopped, that they turned away to other gods. Now, I don't know exactly why it was and why it wasn't, why they started, why they stopped. I don't know what the cause and effect is, but that's what we're going to be pressing into is to understand, Lord, if there's anything we can do that will cause us to 
make your Holy Spirit more welcome in our meetings and to flow through us greater. Teach us what that is so we can do that. If there's something, Lord, that we're not doing that we need to do, Lord, if there's, if there's junk in our hearts that needs to get cleaned out, then we would just ask you to um, show us that and then by your grace we'll release those things so that your spirit, so that river of living water can flow like a crazy, like the Rio Grande coming out of the Rockies in, in the springtime when the snow is melting. So that's kind of where we're headed next. After a year of really, you know, can't find our left hand with our right hand, um, we're starting to gain some focus. And that's where we're going to focus now. So if you guys are conscious of that when you're praying, pray it for all of us. It's about all of us. It's not just about up here. It's about all of us. I had a sense, too, uh, during worship that maybe God was going to do something today. Um, so if you'll bear with me, and we'll be done in a couple minutes, I'd just like to, to listen for the Lord and see if he'll speak a need, a word of knowledge, or maybe um, something like that, that that would bless somebody. So let's just pray for a minute. I'm not altogether sure that that word has likely to come through me. So if anybody is feeling a sense that the Lord's speaking a blessing or, or you're having a word of knowledge um, moment, you're more than welcome to come up here and share. Matter of fact, I would encourage you to come up here and share. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Thank you for your word. Thank you for love. Thank you for your love for all of us. As Pat was talking, um, by the way, Shirley and I love Pat and Teresa Brady, our pastors. It's a great church. Can you hear this? This is a great church. I don't know why this is hard for me to say this. But I wrote this to Pat. I was going to just kind of slip it to him as I was sitting back there. And God said, in my spirit, God doesn't um, open ceiling tiles and, and talk to me, but he speaks into my spirit. He said, it's not, a, it's not about quality. I'm sorry, it's not about, it's about quality, not quantity. Um, so I think, you, can, you know, you look out, you may not see many people, but Pat, Teresa, I want you to hear this. You're touching a lot of people. You're touching more people than what you think. Because we take what we learn here and we take it home. We take it to people. I take it to people in the workplace. Sometimes the most difficult people to reach. Um, but I do it because God said, And the last thing I'd like to say, I'm not going to belabor this. Um, I read a book years ago. Uh, I never really particularly liked this pastor because he used to sweat a lot and all that kind of stuff. But Pastor uh, T.D. Jakes, uh, he's a black pastor. I love him dearly. The book I read was called He Motions. Great book for anybody who would like to read it, for, particularly for men. But in this book, throughout the book, throughout this book, he keeps saying, this is just a test. Um, and, and it is. It's, um, it's just a test for all of us. <clears throat> See, the enemy wants to do things. 
The enemy is, is subtle. Subtle. So I, I would just like to say to Pat that um, I'm just going to turn around and say it to him. Don't let the... Uh, Don't let the enemy take your joy. You got it? Amen. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. That's okay. It's on. Hello. Okay, uh, the Lord spoke to me one word. It was eyes. I don't know if anybody here has an issue with their eyes. Anybody need healing in their eyes? Um, anybody wear glasses? Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know if it's for healing or for that was for all of us to that maybe our eyes would be opened. Um, all I heard was eyes. I asked him to explain it, and that's all he said three times. So here I am to tell you, it's eyes. If somebody has needs healing in their eyes, I believe he's going to give it to you today. Um, and I also believe he's going to open a lot of our eyes to things that he wants us to see. Okay, pray for it, Eric. Lord, I just thank you so much for that, Father. Um, it's always a blessing. Any words that you give us, Father, um, that we would just speak them out over, over each other, Lord. And, and um, I just thank you for the words for the eyes, Father. Uh, I, I just thank you if if somebody walks out of here today and realizes that when they go outside, they don't need to wear sunglasses or they don't need any glasses, Father. Um, we we just thank you for healing, Father, for eyes and in our hearts, Father. And, um, we just love you, Lord. We love you so much, Father. We just thank you in your son's name. I want my eyes open <laughs> to God, to deeper things. Father, she's asking to have her eyes opened to you, Father, to deeper thank things you. of you, Lord. Mm-hmm. And we just ask that you give her that today. Holy Spirit, just come down and touch her, Lord. Just open her eyes in a mighty, mighty way, Lord. Just speak to her heart. Show her, Lord, just show her the things that you want her to see, Father, for for her and for everybody, Lord, that she comes in contact with, Lord. Just open her eyes, Father. Open her eyes, Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you for the word of eyes, Lord. Just thank you in Jesus' name. Just thank you, Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, just come and touch her now, Lord. Just touch her in a mighty, mighty way, the way only you can touch her, Lord. Yes, Father, open the eyes, Lord. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord, so we can see, so we can see you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. So any of you that might have an unction to want to pray, um, feel free to come on up and pray. Um, did you have a word, Dana? I just came down to pray. Bless you. I had literally, it's the craziest thing, this, I don't even think I'd call it a pain, but after I asked God to speak, it was in... Right in my left side, like right on my rib cage. Um, I don't know if anybody's, I'm trying to guess at what it might be, but I probably shouldn't. If you have anything that's like a disorder in the left side of your body, like, I don't know, by where your ribs are, just stand up or come up and get prayed for. I, I guess the Lord want to heal it. Words of knowledge are a new experience for me. <laughs> but it's so different than anything I've ever felt before that I, I just, we asked and I felt it. And I know that that's how God operates sometimes. So, no? Well, maybe in another room. Let's just pray for that real quick. Father, in the name of Lord Jesus, um, whoever may have that disorder, Lord, I just pray that it be healed now 
in your mighty and powerful name that, that all symptoms would be gone completely and the root of those symptoms would be gone completely. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Amen. Did you want some prayer, Jessica? Nope, I got a word. Oh, a word, sweet. I have no idea. Hello, it's on. Um, the word I got was core. And what's interesting is when a plant grows, if you think of a tree, you know, if, if the core is good, if it's solid, you know, it will be able to grow up strong. If the core is rotted, it will fall over. And in the same idea, you know, it can't grow very tall and very strong if, if the structure, the roots, the base are weak. And I think that's one of the things he's doing with us is that, and especially in the power, the areas of power and manifestations of the Holy Spirit, is he, he wants us as a small group, intimate, we trust each other, we know each other. You know, when I got up there and did that singing thing, I was scared out of my mind. And then I went and I hid in the back, like as far back as I could go. But you know what? It's when, when you're faced with doing stuff like that, it's scary. But the wonderful thing about a small group like this is that I know you aren't going to, like, bite my head off if I screw up. And I, and I think that's the kind of atmosphere that we need to have, you know, you guys out there, you know, take a step come up, take the microphone and say, I think this is what God's saying. I, I, I think this is, this is what he wants to do. Or just coming up to individuals, which is also scary, might I add, and saying, you know, I just feel like God's saying, and, and I think as a, as a group, he, he's kind of putting us together so that we trust each other enough to start taking those risks and taking those steps. Amen. Wow. Maybe the problem is that I just never gave God time to be God in our services. I repent, Lord. This is fun. <laughs> All right. Anybody else? Anybody else have a word or? He'd be singing a different song, huh? <laughs> You need to pick up your son. He's in the front row. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Lord, so much. I pray that this is just the tiniest little tip of a great big iceberg, Lord, and that, that you'll speak through us and you'll speak to us and that you'll bless us and we'll bless you and that we'll honor you, Lord. We're equipped. Um, we have a better understanding of the heart that you've given us as a church so that we can rally around that. Lord, thanks for the opportunity on Saturday to pack bread and buns and boxes. Lord, I pray that every one of those pieces of bread would nourish somebody, not just in their body, but that they'd be in their spirit too, Lord. And that people that don't know you would come to know you by the generosity of the people that have um, given their time and given their money. That bread costs somebody money, Lord. I just bless you. I bless you. I bless these people, Lord. I just say for all the... The brand new babies, Lord, thank you so much. And for the babies that are not yet born, that, that you just continue to develop them, knit them together in mom's womb, and just keep them safe and healthy and the mom's healthy. We thank you for baby Levens and for Brittany being safe out of the delivery, God. Thank you for letting him pop out versus being cut out. Thank you for this awesome worship team. We just love you and we thank you and we ask you to continue to be with us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Huh.
I shouldn't have told Pastor Ben to take as long. I was the problem, not him. Well, you guys have a great week. It's so nice to see you. Hug somebody. Tell them you love them. I promise if you say it, you'll mean it. <laughs> Yay!